News Talk On Demand. Interruption-free audio, where you want it, when you want it. Two green thumbs up. Garden Talk on 980 CJME. Saskatchewan and uh, welcome to 2022. 2022, we're here. Try that again, Joe. 20, I gotta turn your button on. <laughs> 2022, we're here. <laughs> we're here. So uh, I'd like you to join us today. Give us a call at one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five, and you can do that by calling or texting. Same number one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five well jill um this week it looks like we're still in the deep freeze today but uh we got some reprieve coming here this next week uh it looks like um regina could be by wednesday almost of course that's what they say today but i mean who knows what comes to then right uh uh, like Saskatchewan, if you want to know, the, see a weather change, just go from your front door to your back door type of thing <laughs> and check it out. But say, say Wednesday is plus five and uh, in and Saskatoon is plus one. So Regina plus five, Saskatoon plus one. I mean, that's awesome. But I was looking back at my notes and last year we had almost exact same thing. We got very warm this week last year as well. So, um, so you know, it's it's, uh, it's we can look forward to a little bit of reprieve from from this cold, cold, deep freeze that we've been in. So I know my kids are going to be so excited to head out to Optimus Hill. They've been asking me almost daily, "Can we go? Can we go tubing? Can we go snowboarding?" <laughs> yeah. And it's been way too cold, so they're very, very excited. Yeah, and this this last week they've been totally closed down because it's too cold. Exactly. So, yeah, so it's going to be a busy week at the hill. Yeah, I think so too. So it's going to be good for people just to get out and have a walk and have some fresh air. It'd just be a, a relief for everybody being, you know, with 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 this whole COVID thing and just being locked inside and not doing as much as they normally would do uh, this week. Because this week is sort of a, you know, you're part of your New Year's resolution where you get out to the gym and you start, I'm going to get fit this year and everything else, right? This is usually this time of the year that you do all those New Year's resolutions, but it's been so cold, everybody's been saying, oh, Okay, I'm not going to go outside. To get those ten thousand steps in today, head out to well, not today, not today, tomorrow. tomorrow. Starting tomorrow, (laughs) starts warming up. So, and uh, so everybody can get outside and and enjoy enjoy their their uh, their time, and be able to get some fresh air and. uh, and you just don't get that stir craziness that we do in the winter time in Saskatchewan. But uh, it's it's a great time to do that. Um, uh, So yeah, just everybody, just take a breath, go outside. Whether and, it's maybe heading out to Beaver Creek and yep. feeding the chickadees out there or taking in some of the nature walks along the Miwasan Valley. There's so much to do. And along our river here in so many communi- communities where you are, as the river flows right through Saskatchewan, um, so many beautiful sights to yep. take in. Yeah. And you know what? Uh, now's a good time. You know, we all have that new year's resolution of what we're going to do even in the garden you know so now's the time to get out there and you know pace off a spot in your yard that you think okay i want to do something over there because you've been looking out your window you know at your yard and uh so dreaming of spring to come what's underneath the snow blanket right now so take the tape measure out there or take your step it out or whatever and you can figure okay now i can start you know taking a piece of graph paper and i can start drawing it out and uh so you might want to get out there do some measurements and and uh, say, okay, I want to put a garden here this year, or I want to put a pergola here, or this is why I want to put a fire pit there, or, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so uh, now's a great time to plan because, you know what, 
Jill, the days, just driving into the studio today, um, the days are getting longer. Like, I can't believe I could start seeing the sunrise, you know, when I started driving driving to the studio this morning. And, and so every day it gets brighter and brighter in the morning. And so that's just, that excites me because that means that we're getting closer to spring and won't be long and we'll be in the greenhouse and putting hanging baskets up and starting to plant our lily bulbs. Yeah, I think all of my rooted cuttings start coming in around the first week of February. So we start getting going on those hanging baskets and planting those lilies starts at the end of January for us in the greenhouse so that we can get some early blooming ones for Mother's Day. So it's it's really it's it's starting to come together right away here. Yeah, so it's 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 a fun t- time to now you can everybody's probably got their their I don't see don't see paper um um seed catalogs anymore but you probably have your digital catalog out already and you're starting to think about seeds and i know that um um this year in, in the gardening part of it the the biggest issue that we have uh, heard so far that coming up for spring is the grass seed is going to be in short supply especially for big projects you know like uh where, where there's seeding sports fields and you know all those parks and that kind of stuff um i th- think we might be okay. There's been a little bit of shortage on just the, this is small seed packets for, you know, that, you know, the five pound packages that people use for seeding their regular yards. But, uh, but there's going to, there could be as the season goes along as a shortage because there was a crop failure in, in the, in the grass seed industry last year. So we can watch for that a little bit. And, um, but I also can give you some good news is that, uh, potatoes seems like the potatoes last year, we had some issues with that. It seemed like this year, uh, it's going to be, not, it looks so far like, um, depending of course, how the storages of the potatoes, if anything happens in the storages, but, uh, otherwise the harvest was pretty good. And even there is some Carib potatoes this year on short supply. Oh, we haven't been able to get those for a few yeah, years. That's the big purple ones. Okay. Yeah. The big purple potatoes and the big popular one that we normally, people have been asking for them like crazy the last couple of years, but there's been just nothing available. So this year there'll be some around in short supply, but, uh, but there's still some. So that, that's encouraging. So when you see your Caribs out on the sales floor, you have to make sure you grab them. Right oh yeah. Away. You have to get them, you have to get them in, in April. If you yeah. wait till May, they won't be around. Again, so. And then if they do pick them up early and the ground's not ready to plant, how should they store those? Just store them in a cool, dry place again, just just like you would just store them in in the fall for the you're going to keep them at, at home. So just a cool, cool, dry place, well ventilated. Okay, so um, um, that's fine. They'll be good there. So awesome. But uh, but yeah, otherwise springs uh, are coming. Springs coming and won't be long, and you'll start seeing um, you'll start seeing seed supplies like all the seed racks starting to pop up in the stores. So that's going to be exciting that you start seeing that. And so people start flicking through the seed, seed racks all over the place. And, uh, and just remember when you, when you pick up your seed, seeds and that kind of stuff, it's a good idea to, to plan that way and, uh, make sure that, uh, if you want the best results, just make sure you have all the supplies. And, and, uh, we'll talk about that as well in one of the later segments about what supplies you need, uh, to be able to have a, a good, successful, good germination take up of all, all your plants. So. So another thing that I've been seeing um, more and more people have been doing is starting a gardening journal. And in that journal, they'll they'll keep a few things. They'll keep a little drawing of their backyard and add um, different plants in that they're seeing. They'll have pictures in there, almost like a scrapbook. Um, and then the most important thing I think right now for planning is having a calendar in there. Because when they're picking, you're picking up seed packages or bulb packages, it will always have like a bloom time or a fruit producing time and looking at how many days it takes for it to produce fruit, especially for your vegetables. 
um, and then counting back those days on a calendar to figure out when your seeding date is and when your ideal time is that you um, want to start planting and starting those seeds. It's really important, especially if you're wanting to get into starting to seed some of your perennial plants, because um, those you'll want to be starting in uh, January and February um, for some of those perennial varieties if you want them to be blooming at the right time here in Saskatchewan. So normally you might be be looking at a different um, catalog. Maybe you're looking on something online and it's, it's from a zone 7 or 8 climate and it doesn't matter so much if it's blooming in the fall but we want to get it blooming through our summer months so just making sure that we're starting it early enough so that we can get blooming at the right time and that's a good point about the journal Jill because um, you know every every house is different you know, everybody has different ways. They've, they've, they, some temperatures, some people have the house warmer. Some people have the humidity turned up a little higher, you know, in their homes. And some people use a heat mat underneath. So those are all different things that if you keep a journal, then you know that, okay, you can look back at it and say, well, the last couple of years, this is when I, this is when I started my geraniums. And this is when I started my snapdragons. And this is when I started my tomatoes and, or my jalapeno peppers because they take longer than a bell pepper, let's say. So, so, you know, if you have that journal, then and you know exactly from year to year in your circumstances, which is different than everybody else's, uh, how to how be the best success. And I was at the bookstore and they actually have some interesting gardening journal um, uh, journals that you can pick up and they've got some different ideas and different topics so that it prompts you to, to be able to talk about a few things too. So just like as a grower, we keep track of things and write down things so we can look back year to year. You can be doing that in your home too. So we're going to be coming back after the after the commercial break here, and we're going to be talking a little bit about orchids, Jill. So uh, join us there. But if you want to join us, you've got lots of questions you want to talk to us about. That'd be great. So I'm Rick Van Davenek, you're and Jill Van Davenek. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CQM and 980 CJME. Dig in. It's Garden Talk on 980 CJME. Welcome to Garden Talk. Here, Mr. Rick Van Davendek and Jill Van Davendek here this morning, and uh, we like you to join us. Absolutely, we like you to join us here. Uh, we just love a- answering questions. That's what we. That's a, that's what our passion is to to answer questions about gardening and house plants and and all those kind of things. So if you've got any questions, give us a call at one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five, and you can do that by either calling or texting. It's the same number, and uh, it's one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Just like here, Derek from Yorkton. It says uh, we have an arrow garden. And we use it quite a bit. I'm wondering what the best way to transplant from the hydroponic system uh, to the ground and what to do with all those roots. Oh, sorry, Jill, I got to press buttons again here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> First of all, a lot of people might think, well, what is an aero garden? Yes. So an aero garden is a indoor plant system and it usually has a grow light on the top. And then at the base, it has a hydroponically growing system. So it's got water going through there. You put these little pods that have seeds in there. And then it also has nutrients and fertilizer that goes through the water. So these plants can grow without soil because soil is usually where the plants are getting the nutrients from yep. in, uh, in nature. So it will feed, um, air through um, the water because the roots of course need a little bit of air the water and then fertilizers then these plants are able to grow indoors hydroponically yep. so just no soil and just in water so when you got when you have these plants like the arrow garden and then you have all these these roots and that so so uh, 
Derek is talking about, okay, now I want a transplant. So he's going to get them started, obviously. So basically what I would think you'd want to do, Derek, is that um, plants need, need uh, to be um, basically acclimatized when you put them outside. Okay, so if you take some a bare root plant, which basically you'd be taking right out of the water, and those roots are very, very tender, and you go and take it and put it out into the garden, the plant will go through quite a bit of transplant shock. So the better thing to do with that is to basically take those plants, Pull it out of the pull out the pod and out of the water, and then uh, you're going to put it into a, an, another pot. And so the best way to do it with those type of plants is put it into either a plastic pot, but get get a a, like a cocoa fiber pot. And I would say probably about four to six inches in diameter, based yep. on the size of um, of those pods. I now, would probably go to. Now you got a four or six inch pot. Okay, now you can have all these roots. Now what's the best way, Jill, to put those roots into the pot? Well, one thing when we're looking at the roots, you're going to notice that the roots on this plant are going to look a little bit different than the roots on a plant that's grown in soil. It's yep. going to be have very smooth white roots on it, and that's because those roots and, are and, water roots. And long, and they're curling and in they're the water. Long, right? and they're curling in the water. So you have lots of roots in there. Now, the best way to put it into the pot is don't take those roots and bunch them all together and then twirl them in a tight coil and stick them in the pot, because then what's going to happen, those roots are going to continue to grow in that coil, coil yeah. and they're not going to spread out. So you can either it take... Basically, it'll choke itself off. It, it well, goes too much of a, you know, if it goes too much, of, it's like uh, being in a spiral in a pot, over, you know, root bound in a pot that go around and around in a circle and it's just not good for the plant. It's going to affect the growth of the yep. plant eventually. Um, so what you want to do is you want to either trim some of those roots off, so just take a bit of scissors and cut them cut them off so that they're a little bit smaller and shorter. Yep. Um, or the other thing you can do is you can take those roots and actually sort of ruffle the edges of them and have them so they're sort of split and facing all different directions on the bottom. And uh, and almost like a spider or type, an octopus. What type of soil? Um, I would use a soilless mix and make sure you have something with lots of perlite in it. Um, something that's going to dry really evenly from top to bottom. It's really important going from a water plant almost is what you've been doing to a plant that's growing in soil. You'll start to see that it will start to develop some fine um, hair roots on it once it's planted in soil. And those will take up moisture a little bit differently than it does when it's a water plant. So you're going to find that you're going to see your plant maybe wilting a little bit, going through some transplant shock. Um, that's normal. Um, you might get some yellowing leaves. That's normal. Um, so just, just giving your plant some time to reacclimatize when you do that transplant from the water into the soil. It's just going to take a little bit of time, making sure you're keeping that soil evenly moist. You're not keeping it sopping wet, but you're not keeping it really, really dry. It's really important. Okay. So now that in Aero Garden, they have a little, you know, like basically eight to 12 inches above it. They have a, a big light. Okay. Now they've taken it out of that. And now where should they put it until while they're, while they're getting it ready to put out? Outside, they're going to you know have lots of time for that. But you are going to be putting it in a bright window. Yeah. Um, most of the times, they're going to be growing herbs or something like that. So in an east or a south facing window. Now remember, our, sometimes our windows are quite cool in certain times of the year in January and February. So watch that as well. And um, the other thing too is you can also, if you have supplement lighting, you can also put that grow light back on top of it. Um, if you're moving it from somewhere where it's been a grow light into another window situation where maybe it doesn't have as much light as it's used to, you might see stretching, which is the space between the leaves, um, the internodes. You'll see stretching happening. Um, what I would suggest maybe doing is trimming your plants a little bit more frequently in the in this winter season while you're waiting for it to go outside, and that will help promote a bushier plant. So sometimes with my herbs, maybe if it's mint or something like that, I'll trim it right down to about a third of the size and then allow it to grow back up from there, and it will 
give you a healthier, more stable stock. Okay, that's a good question. Now, once people want to join us, just like Derek did here on the text line, give us a call or text us as one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Now, also, Jill, like you said, you can trim it, but also a big way to keep your plant so it doesn't stretch so much, and just having a a fan, a little tiny fan around in the in the room, so that the plants you see them just quivering in in the air you don't want to you know you don't want a great big huge fan 12 inch fan and blowing the plant sideways but just moving it around also what's very important is that um, it's not just this aero garden but let's say you start in a in a, in a 10 by 20 or it's, we call it a 10 20 tray and you're starting all your seeds some of them now have individual little peat pots, you know, or, or, uh, or cocoa fiber pots, little pellets that you grow individual plants. But sometimes you just put some soil in a, in a tray and then you grow all your seeds in, in little rows on that tray and then you transplant into pots later. So it's no different than that arrow garden is you want to be able to, when you, when you transplant them, you're pulling the roots apart and you're basically taking a little bit bare roots. You might take a spoon and transplant them. Yep. So you just want to make sure that there again, you're putting into a pot and you're putting in some nice soil that you're telling the the soilless mix that you talk about so you have good drainage yeah exactly you need good drainage there and one thing to remember a lot of people don't know this but going from a plant that's been grown in water and putting into soil it can develop those hair roots but having a plant that's maybe growing in soil and then putting them into water that's a lot harder to do um, because those hair roots are going to soak up so much moisture and you'll overwater your plant so a lot of people think they can go both ways but you can't really with uh when you're doing things hydroponically it's easier to go from water into soil but going backwards is a little bit more difficult Okay, so one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five is a text and call number. Now, Jill, we were wanting to talk a bit about orchids this this segment here. Now, um, people, orchids is the, there's probably an orchids is probably one of the most uh, type of plant that there's the most different types of species of any other plant around in the world, almost. So, it's it's people get tend to think, okay, well. The only time they get an orchid or see an orchid is on a corsage, right? And so they think that it's really tough and tropical and hard to grow. Now, is is that true, or is it is is easier to grow a, a, an orchid? Well, orchids are actually very easy to yeah, care exactly, for. They're they probably are. one of the most easy to care for, and they're they're one of those plants that I could almost call them a little bit of neglectables in a way. Um, Neglectables, but more of a routine plant. So getting into a routine with your orchids is the most important thing. We have a great orchid society here in Saskatoon that has so much knowledge. Um, but there is orchid societies that you can get involved with. I, I know we only have a minute left in this segment, so I'll try and touch on a few things, but we can always touch yep, a little we'll bit more back. next yep. segment as well, too. The most common orchid that you'll see is a Phalaenopsis out there, and that's the one with the big blooms on the stem with the big leaves and the base yeah, of it. Those are the ones you'll see pretty much in all... You see them in the grocery, grocery stores, stores. and the florist shops yep. and the garden centers. Those ones are great because they will bloom for 80 to 120 days, like a really, really long time. You can get them to bloom up to like three or four months if you want to. And um, care for those guys is is fairly easy. Um, biggest thing you want to do is want to watch what type of media they're planted in. And we're going to talk a little bit more about yep. that media and um, what type of media they should be planted in and how that affects the watering and fertilizing and everything. Because I find that that is 
probably one of the most key things with the orchids is looking at what they're planted in so you know how much to water. So Phalaenopsis is probably the number one one everybody likes. And yeah. There's all different types. Of... Dendrobiums, um, which are, have a little bit larger flower on them. You see them a lot used in um, in floristry and then on cidiums, which have the little tiny flowers on them. Those are the three most popular. Okay, so we're going to get back right after the news. Uh, we'd like you to join us here. You're listening to Garden Talk with Rick Van Damenek and Jill Van Damenek on 650 CQM and 980 CJME. Growing Saskatchewan one yard at a time. Garden Talk on 980 CJME. Sunday morning and welcome to Garden Talk. You're listening to Jill and Rick Van Daverdyke and we'd like you to join us. Uh, give us a call or text at one 332 8255 It's very easy. Just call or text right on your text line. It's the same number. one 332 8255 And we have Susan Regina. She said, I tried peanut butter on a log for birds, but the birds have not used it. Instead, I put some peanut butter on the branches of a tree near the feeder. Some success with this. But now I'm wondering if this could hurt the tree. Absolutely not. It won't hurt the tree at all. Um, Just... um uh, yeah, well, that, that one thing about working on the tree is that the, the birds really like to be on the tree because they just feel more safe, more protected there. And uh, it won't hurt the tree at all. Uh, it's a natural product, so you won't, uh, you won't uh, hurt the tree. It's no different than putting uh, the tangle foot. <laughs> you know, you spread, you put the, well, you put the plastic in the tangle foot, but you always get some of that, of that um, you know, that natural sticky substance for bugs and that kind of stuff. So, no, the peanut butter won't hurt the tree tree at all um the 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 the, in this in this in the spring the the rains and that kind of stuff and the sun will just basically deplete it whatever's left on there and uh it will be just fine if you find that you you, you've got a whole bunch of it on there and the birds haven't taken any of it in the spring then you can just uh take your hose and just basically pressure wash it off a bit you know uh, if you take a pressure washer, don't go too close to the bark if you're actually using a pressure washer. If you just use a garden hose with a sprayer, and then you can usually take it off a, a lot with that. Uh, and uh, But using a pressure washer, be careful because you can actually damage the bark with that with the pressure. Don't get too close. <laughs> don't get too close. And uh, but otherwise, yeah. It'll, it, the only if it's thick, if it's thick on there, it just create a moisture effect in the summertime where you can get some molds and the, the you know start breaking down the bark with all those molds and everything else. That'd be the only reason I I worry about it. But usually by spring, the birds have eaten it all gone. So <laughs> and the chickadees come and clean up the last little little morsels of it. So it's usually not a problem at all. So that, that's not a problem to do that. Um, now, Joe, we were talking about orchids. Yes. And uh, when you did the orchids, uh, we got we we're just getting to the different types, right? And obviously, yeah. what you see mostly in the stores is the, um, the phalaenopsis, right? Yeah, and those ones you will usually see packed in um, almost like a, a sphagnum moss in the soil. And um, one thing, reason why they pack them that way is because it keeps them nice and tight for shipping. Um, now, remember that orchids are air plants, and so they usually grow on the sides of trees and in crevices and or even in the ground on like a stump or something like that. So they are air plants. So if they have too much moss around them, it's going to have too much moisture in it, and those plants aren't going to get enough air to their roots. Um, so after they don't transplant them while they're blooming, but after they're finished blooming, sometimes it's good to take some of that moss off and transplant them in a little bit more of an orchid bark mixture. 
Yeah, an orchid bark mixture is important. So then what you basically do is you, the easiest way is take it over to the sink, take it out of the pot, pull it out of the pot, and then just with the water, just 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 basically take away some of the moss and that kind of stuff. And then when you, you so that you... you and if you see some of the roots that are looking brown and ugly, take a pair of scissors and trim them trim off. Trim those off, yeah. Yes. They're mushy. If they're nice and nice and... Hard and, and white, then that's perfect. Okay. Sometimes I'll plunge them in the water a little bit yep. to get some of that that moss and then stuck you, on the roots. Then you take a pot and then you sort just sort of put your roots down into that pot, spread them out again, and then just take your other bark and just carefully, you know, let your bark fall in amongst all the roots, and then you'll it's perfect. It's an orchid bark, so you can buy it at the stores. Um, I mean, some of the um, some of the orchid growers they're going to put it into. Uh, clay clay little pellets and there's all different types of media but probably the one that's most people are used to using is just the straight orchid bark and uh, gotta remember where does orchids normally grow Jill? why why do you, why would i be using orchid bark rather than straight soil because remember they're growing on the sides of trees um, on stumps on the top of the ground all of those different areas so if you're planting them in soil um, those roots they need so much oxygen and air so they're basically growing in the air that's why yeah. even you'll see all these roots growing on top of your orchid pot you know uh, like you'll see all these little roots growing out of the pot. And so that's, they're normally like doing that. And if you look at an orchid pot, there's a few different types of pots that you will see. Um, sometimes you'll see a clear pot and, um, and it's got slits all the way through the side. And this is so more air can get through, but also it's clear so that you can see how much humidity and moisture is in that pot. Cause that is so key to making sure that you're not overwatering your plant. The other one you'll see is maybe a, a clay pot or a glazed pot and it will have a ton of holes in the side of it. And you look at it at first, you're like, how is that supposed to hold any soil? Um, but just remembering that orchids are a different, a different little um, phenomena, and they they don't need a tight, tight soil. They need a thick, um, nice, um, hardy bark um, with a mixture of moss in there to have some moisture as well. And mixing those things together, it will won't fall through that those holes in those pots. But that is ideal for those orchids. Now, don't forget, give us a call at one eight seven seven three three two eight two five. Call or text any question you'd like. Now, Jill, when you when you're talking about the you know those the, the roots are growing in air. Okay, mm -hmm. so uh, what kind of fertilizer are you going to use for your orchids? Well, there's usually specialized fertilizers. So when you go to the store to buy or the garden center to go buy your um, food, look for one that says orchid food. It's really, really important. Yeah. Um, so it's usually a very, very mild, mild dose of fertilizer. Like it's usually a one, two, one or a 15, five, five. It's, they don't need yeah. a lot of fertilizer. And um, most orchid lovers, they'll say, give them small amounts of fertilizer every time you're watering them rather than just waiting for like and, and fertilizing them once a month. So usually those orchid foods are a small enough dosage that you can, every time you're watering, you can mix up some fertilizer into the water and you're fertilizing them all the time. Yeah, because it's so porous that you're not going to get a buildup of salts that easily no. too. Now, one thing too is that there's also some fertilizers out there that that come in a little mister bottle, okay? Mm -hmm. And then you spray it actually onto the leaves and that kind of stuff. So they take the nutrients up to the leaves just like they would do in nature. So that works really well as well. And even even there again, even the uh, the uh, the alfalfa pellets too. Uh, mixing that with water and giving it a tea when you're pouring it over the roots, and that, that's a huge one as well. Yeah. One of the things that we just carried as a new product this year at the Garden Center, and I'm loving it in the greenhouses, it's called the Mossify Mister. And What's, it's mo a Mossify, Mossify. Mister, okay. and it's an electric mister, and it sprays such a fine 
mist of um, of water, and you can add fertilizer into it. You can add um, different things like neem into it. You can add some of your even endol into it, and just sort of do this fine, fine mist. It's really great. Okay, we have uh, Mike from Watson joining us here. Good morning, Mike. How are you today? Oh, I'm fine. Um, I got the brainwave last fall. I had a big uh, flower pot outside with a spike in the middle and then some geraniums and stuff and other flowers around. And when fall came, I thought, I'm going to just do a, I got this brainwave, I'm going to just transplant it into smaller and bring it into the house for the winter and see what happens. Okay, the spike, I'm not fertilizing or anything, but it's already almost three feet high, (laughs) you know, the longest of the stems. It actually looks pretty good, you know, it's a pretty nice looking plant, it's dark green and that. And the geraniums are just growing wild. Should I even try bothering, uh, bother saving them, or should I just chuck them? It sounds like you're doing a pretty good job of saving them. So I would definitely save them with your dracaena. Make sure you're wiping off those stems, keeping it spider mite free is the most important thing in the in the winter season. And with your geraniums, what I would do is right now I would cut them back about a half of what the size they are right now, and that will help them so they're not long and lanky, and you'll have a lot more new growth coming on them in the spring season, and that will get them bushier and have more blooms on them for you too. So your geraniums, looks like you're doing the right thing for them. Keep giving them lots of light. You'll start increasing the watering once our daylight hours start getting a little bit more and uh, cut them back. Uh, you can even take some cuttings off of your geraniums if yep, you want this to. This is the time of the year that you would do that. People yep. bring their geraniums up from up from their basement and get them into the bright light and trim them back. If they have, Most like people trim them back already. But now that the cuttings come up and you get some stem root number one and you poke, them in, poke the ends in stem root number one and then then you uh, and then you take care of them that way. And the stem root number one is a rooting hormone. Okay. Okay. And you think if I transplant them back into the big uh, thing next spring that they'll, uh, they'll, they'll, they'll do okay? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. And I'd probably put a few other plants in with them, maybe some million bells or some petunias around the base just to sort of fill oh, yeah. it out. Oh, no, that, that's yeah. exactly what I'm, I don't have a green thumb. I'm kind of just learning, and that's okay. Well, thank Okay. Uh, no, the spike, you didn't say, did you say to cut it back as well? Nope. No, nope. Leave, the leave the spike, spike alone. alone. Yep. Oh, well, it's going to be awfully, uh, it's going to help you rank when I put it outside because some of those uh, long things are about three feet high already. Yeah, just give it lots of light right now and some air movement. That's the big one. Air movement so it moves oh. it just a little bit and lots okay, of light. It'll be fine. Good luck Great. this spring. Okay. Okay, thank you much. Goodbye. Okay, bye-bye. Well, that takes us to the break. Uh, you're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CQM and 980 CJME. Two green thumbs up. Garden Talk. On 980 CJME. Welcome to Garden Talk, and this is going to be a great week, Joe. We're going to be warming up and be able to get outside and get some fresh air from all our cooped up in the winter time. So it's going to be a good time just to get outside. And now you can recharge your bird feeders because it's been so cold to get out there. You get out there and uh, recharge those bird feeders and enjoy that. So um, give us a call here at one 332 8255 You can do that by texting or call at one 332 Now, Jill, uh, there's one uh, text here. It says, Good morning. My daughter and I purchased some rosemary trees at Safeway just before Christmas. They went completely brown in less than two weeks. What can be done to save them, or is it too late? A lot of times you'll see that with rosemary. Rosemary actually are um, woodier stalks on them of any of the herbs, and they require quite a bit of sunlight. So moving them from 
um, a greenhouse to a grocery store and then to our homes in the wintertime um, when there's not enough light um, is something you'll usually see. And the other thing, too, is giving them adequate amount of moisture. It's probably with quite a large plant in a small, small pot. Um, a lot of times you'll see this um, for transportation reasons. They'll grow these plants in a small pot so they can fit more on a cart to get them transported to the grocery store or to the garden centers. So making sure that next time you transplant into a larger pot so that you can retain some more moisture is really, really important. Now, is it too far gone? Um, it will all depend. If it's completely crusty, you touch it and everything is falling off, um, I would probably say, yep, it might be too gone, far gone. But you can scrape the bark a little bit too and see if there's any green under that bark. If it is, cut it right back down. You can almost cut it right back down to the base and sort of just keep watering it a little bit more. You might even want to put it into a little bit larger pot, see if you can get some new growth going on that. Give it lots of light, um, a little bit of fertilizer and see if you can get it going from the base. Now, don't again. overwater it again. Just make sure that you don't go the opposite direction and rot the roots Evenly out, okay? moist is what Evenly you want moist. to do. And so. with the rosemary plant, it even likes to dry out a little bit between waterings, but not completely. Okay, we have another one here. I bought a pineapple in a grocery store, Jill. So, mm -hmm. uh, so everybody loves pineapple. Okay, can I cut the top off and plant it and grow another one? And how do I do it? What care? How do I water? What soil? Oh, you'll see lots of this online right now and lots of people trying these little home projects. So when you get your um, pineapple plant from the grocery store and bring it home, you want to cut the top off about a half an inch or one and a half inches um, from the below the leafy part yes, of the leaves yes. and then remove some of those leafy leaves. Then you want to trim off the outer portion of the pineapple in the top, almost the crown of the pineapple or stem until you see these are almost like little brown bumps on the stem. Those are called the, the um, root buds. Um, and then you'll want to actually leave that pineapple out to dry, kind of like what you would do to a succulent for several days yep. um, before you're planting it. So and don't this, cut it fresh off. Let it let this helps it almost heal over heal any over, of the yes. wounds. Um, and then this will discourage any problems with rotting after that's happened. Um, and then you can get a pineapple to root in water, so you'll see some of those things on the internet. However, it is easier, I think, to root it in soil. So soil or so, like a soilless a mix. A soilless mix is yep. what you want to use, and actually, they suggest um, you rooting it in a soilless mix and maybe having even a cactus mix, something with a little bit more drainage. Yeah. They're grown pineapples in nature in a quite actually a sandy soil. So that's something to really watch. Or that red, red soil, you know, like uh, you see in Hawaii. You yeah. Know? And when you plant the pineapple in soil, you want to plant it right up to the base of the leaves. So you got that little bit of a stem on there. You've removed some of the leaves. You got those sort of buds on the stem and you'll plant it right up to the leaves. And then you'll water it thoroughly and price it, plant it in bright, indirect light. So put the pot in nice, bright, indirect. So yeah. direct sunlight. It's going to need at least eight hours of bright sunlight yep. a day. So keep that in mind um, if you're looking at an area of your house, eight hours of sunlight or else you might need to supplement it. Yeah, remember, um, remember, they grow in tropical areas where the daylight and nighttime is even, right? It's fairly Base, even. It's fairly even. Keep the moist roots until they develop. And now this is a long process with a pineapple plant. So you're probably going to need a grow light to suspend to lengthen our daytimes to like 12 exactly. hours. Exactly. Okay. Six to eight weeks before you're going to start seeing roots develop on that pineapple plant. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> when you buy a pineapple plant in the store in the garden center and it's already going, it got pineapple on it, you can sort of understand the process of this. Um, you're checking the, the, to see if it's got roots by gently pulling it out of the, the soil. And then once you have roots, you can start giving it additional, um, more light. So you want to start with about eight, six to eight hours of sunlight, first of all, and then extend the light hours after that. And which... Right now, it's kind of perfect. And temperature is going to be around 20 degrees, right? So you want to make mm -hmm. sure that you keep an even temperature as well. Yeah, and use a houseplant fertilizer um, about every time you water. Once it roots. Once it yeah. roots, yes. Yeah. 
Um, and then after you're finished doing that, once your plant has started growing, you got roots on it, and it's a healthy plant, it might take a few years to actually even bloom because we're growing it indoors and we're going through all these different stages. Yeah. But something to speed up, just like some of your air plants, is you can, like your bromelades, um, to get them to bloom, you can put an apple and put a bag around it. And that ethylene gas is going to promote a process that's going to um, help produce an, an apple spike. So you just put an apple, which gives off ethylene gas, and put it into a bag, tie it up on the top, and then that ethylene gas is going to help promote the broom just for 24 to 48 hours. There you go. So there you go. Okay, so Jill, now we we talk, we're talking about uh, hey one eight seven seven three three two eight two five I. We still got about three minutes left, so you've got a text or we got a f- call coming in right away here. So uh, Jill, you wanted to to um, um, talk about your different types of orchids again. Um, well, actually, we're going to write to the call instead here. Let's do that. We have Leroy from Warman. Good morning, Leroy. Good morning. How are you today? Very good. Good. Yeah, uh, we don't have much time. I just I got a question for you. I got a, a cabin uh, northeast of Hague, and I've, I've probably got about uh, an acre and a half of uh, a grassy area that I've had for a while. And I put a, a good base down of uh, topsoil around eight inches everywhere, six good, to eight perfect. inches everywhere. Perfect. And then the, install the sprinkler system and stuff like that so that it's constantly watered. But they don't seem to be getting a good quality grass. So uh, you were talking earlier about overseeding and stuff like that. Yes. I've tried overseeding uh, for actually for a couple of years. It doesn't seem to be doing much. Am I missing a step somewhere along the line to be able to get the the grass to green out nicely? Okay, so one thing you want to do first of all is check the, do a little soil test, get a soil test kit, and check the pH of your soil. Okay. Okay. And then what you may have to do if you find your pH is pretty high, which it might be, you know, I'm not sure of that area around Osler, but it might be the pH might be high. If it is high, then it's not going to germinate that well, right? So you need to bring the down. So you need to use a fertilizer that has a, a sulfur base. So like um, something like the groundskeeper fertilizer that's made right in Saskatoon. It has a great, yep, okay. it has a great yep. sulfur base to it, and that's huge. Lower nitrogen, lower, lower nitrogen only 16, and has some phosphorus in it, which is a 10 phosphorus as well, right? So it's a okay. great fertilizer for starting putting in as you're, when you're seeding as well over top, uh, because lower the pH and also put some phosphorus to get those roots going. So I think if you do that, and then just making sure that you, uh, when you put your seed down, you're just keeping a nice moisture until the, the until the, the, that that seed germinates and, and gets established. And so okay. now that you have the irrigation system, that's won't be hard to do. Okay, the, the the water from the irrigation system, of course, is uh, from well water and stuff like that. It's fairly high mineral content. Yeah, uh, probably it's probably got about uh, sixty uh, hardness on it. Okay, so, so that's a problem too. So if it's that hard, you know, uh, you're having a little bit of issues with that. But you know, there's not much you can do with that because that's your irrigation system, right? So yeah. Um, okay. So just you know, you, I mean, I used hard water as well, and I was able to get it to germinate. But uh, you got not much choice with that unless unless you you know get a tank and you water from slough water or something like that just to get it established, you know. Right, and uh, right. but that's a lot of work. So but just keep <laughs> yeah. doing what I, I would do the fertilizer and uh, just getting that checking that pH down, and that'll be yep. huge. Okay, what's the, what's a good pH level for the soil? It should be around uh, six point five to seven. Okay, perfect. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Have have a great day. Bye-bye. So, Jill, you know what? Uh, 
Not too much time left. That's up, that wraps up another another Garden Talk. So we'd like you to join us every week here at, on Garden Talk. And uh, we'll talk about more about, again, there's so many more different types of orchids. We didn't even got to even touch the surface of how many different types of orchids. Bottom line, stop into the Garden Center. I know we have some great orchids even coming in this week. So get yep. a little bit of your plant fix in the greenhouses during this winter season and enjoy the warm when you get outside. Thank you for joining Garden Talk. You're listening to Rick and Jill Van Damenijk on Garden Talk on 650 CQM and 980 CJME.